0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Girl in the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a rebrand. (laughs) All righty, welcome back to Girl in the Gov, the podcast guest interview edition, but we did our top stories yesterday, and it's just an absolute travesty because just hours after we recorded our top stories, the FBI raided Donald Trump's home. And the fact that we didn't get to talk about that
0: is really upsetting, but obviously here we are
1: today addressing it immediately because, wow. I was going
0: to say, agreed, because pure tragedy from a top stories standpoint, but don't worry, we got you. And Here's the thing. There is a lot to unpack here. Like, this is like you went away for multiple weeks, a wild Europe- European escapade. And you had like literally two racks of suitcases piled up. And like, now you have to unpack. Like, that's how I feel about this. So much I like, to I was like, I don't start- know where this is going.
1: <laughs> no, but you're right. So much to unpack. I mean, I also want to say one thing that's really gonna maybe put me six feet under and just make me lose my mind is that there's a chance the FBI comes out with a statement like today which will probably fucking happen like hours after we record this and then whatever but anyways there's just so much to unpack from this story to give the context let's just get to the to the deets because FBI raided Donald Trump's South Florida residence at Mar-a-Lago and really has the FBI in the middle of a political firestorm, as Punchbowl says, which is, that's the one, that's one thing I want to unpack mm. is all of the tweets from the GOP, like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying defund the FBI, like the, I can't.
0: I literally can't. Sorry, ice cream is being attempted to be, like, that was not English. I ice have a, cream? a visitor... That wants to deliver me ice cream. Ice. But I just shoo shooed that away because we've got news to cover. We've got so, news to cover.
1: The ice cream needs for to For the people, in the
0: for for the people. I'd be in mean, direct eye contact with the ice cream, but it'll be a later date for me. And that, regardless, sure. I would like to particularly just point people to the fact that the head of the FBI was appointed by Trump's administration. <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah,
1: defund the FBI. This is all a scam, blah, 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 blah. Like, my dude. My dude. Candace Owens is like, we need a full investigation into the FBI. This is is not okay. Which I'm just, like, curious. I want to dive a little deeper into their arguments. And I have some questions for them of, like, besides just your absolute obsession and loyalty to Donald Trump, like, why? Like, why? Isn't this what they do? They you know, investigate things that they need to investigate. <laughs> Isn't that what's happening? Federal like, Bureau of Invest- <laughs> Investigation. Like, I, I think did. they're just doing their job, and I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just me.
0: But it's bananas. Also, I need to talk about, like, some details here of some things that, like, really – I should let you finish explaining what happened, shouldn't I? Before I, like, go off on a tangent.
1: Well, yeah, sure. Let's do, I, I mean, again, I'm also all over the place because there's so much I want to talk about as well. So again, right now there is very little known about this raid, what, what they were even looking for and what they even found. And so multiple media reports said it was part of a federal probe into Trump's continued possession of classified records after leaving the White House, which leads me to a really interesting point. And one that we talked about yesterday with our brand ambassadors, which was The story from Maggie Haberman, she was staff in the White House and periodically discovered wads of printed paper clogging Mm. the toilet that was believed that the president, aka Trump, was flushing pieces of paper down the toilet, ultimately clogging it, but with literal, like, potentially classified information on it. And the fact that we just talked about this yesterday with our brand ambassadors, and this is like a little piece of the story of, like, what they could potentially be. You know, looking for. You know what that just thoughts. made me think of
0: is, and granted, I don't know how the be- the bathrooms are set up in the White House, but I feel like the better place. They can't dispose, have the best
1: sewage. It's an old building.
0: That is a great point. But where I was. What is say the sewage
1: system of the someone, White House? I need to know. Someone, someone contact
0: us <laughs> immediately. You must know all of the details. Like sewage plumbers, system. hit yeah. us up. Like we need to know. But, 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 it would be so much smarter to hide these ripped up pieces in the, like, tampon disposal boxes. No one is going through that. No, no one. Like, you want to get rid of some classified information? (laughs) Like, but, like, okay. But, like, someone could, like. Or maybe
1: burn them. Like, paper shredder. I'm sure there's one of those in the White House, you know? But I'm trying to think. Like, okay. Like, think from a criminal standpoint you're in the bathroom like, in- you're trying to find somewhere to put classified information where you put yeah. a tampon box is very smart you're right that would be genius and you know what that just leads me to think is that just probably men in general but especially Donald Trump a doesn't know that like paper can clog the toilet but especially like men like men probably don't realize you know that there are items that you can't put in the toilet and as us as women we are very aware of that because it's plastered all over our bathrooms. Don't flush feminine products down the toilet. But men probably don't get that message. And then on top of it, Trump being Trump, like he's just probably so unaware unaware of how any type of sewage system could work. And thought, hey, this is a great idea. And
0: it's beyond. It's beyond me of like how dumb. And also like looking at the pictures, terrible ripping job. Terrible ripping job. I really <laughs> It's the little things in the that.
1: Yeah. What? We will like, be linking. I, just the
0: world's dumbest criminal sometimes.
1: Like, the world's dumbest criminal. He has to be. He has to be up there. But we'll, have- go to the link in the episode description if you want to see the pictures of the paper in the toilet. Because there are indeed pictures of said paper in said toilets that were said clogged i gotta say give credit to like be
0: seeing it and being like oh i'm gonna take a pic of this like let's let's have some receipts okay here's another thing though that i i'm like not sure on like i know i'm not a grammar queen but i'm just really curious so john put out a statement about this whole thing aka being like my safe and in it He, like, makes the, you know, obviously classically, like, just fucked up comments, but he makes reference to things happening in third world countries, and then also something about the midterm elections, and this is what's odd to me. Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's odd, but, like, on on the grammar end, he capitalizes countries, like, the term countries, and third world, like, as if it's, like, a name for something, which you would capitalize, and then same with, like, midterm elections, which, like, isn't as far as I know in that context shouldn't be capitalized. But then there's like other sentences where like his grammar was like I, I felt smart. Like he had actually like commas and like places. We're talking that about a statement.
1: Think. Yeah. Or on the paper. Basically I
0: was, well, I was gonna say we his, should read his
1: statement. We should read the statement. But the thing is like there's no way he wrote this because even just thinking looking at mm. he doesn't fucking write official press releases. But l- should we read it? Let's read it. Let's okay. fucking read it. So statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, you and occupied. You the tackiest home I have ever seen on film. I actually have not seen pictures. I need to. Um, and occupied so by gaudy. a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. Well, you're no longer president. <laughs> After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is a prosecutorial, that's how you also know Donald Trump did not write this, he's not using that word ever, misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by the radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections such an assault could only take place in a broken third in broken third world countries sadly america has now become one of those countries corrupt at a level not seen before they even broke into my safe (laughs) exclamation point what is the difference between this and watergate what what operatives broke into the democrat national committee here in reverse democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the united states I don't know if that makes any sense to me personally. The The political persecution of President Donald J. Trump has been going on for years. Is this now switching from first person to third? I'm confused. It has been going on for years with the now fully debunked Russia, Russia, Russia scam, impeach hoax number one, impeach hoax number two, and so much more. It just never ends. It is political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete an acid watch Acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Absolutely nothing has happened to her to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. I also have a comment on Hillary in a second. I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we have never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now, as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they are trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. I will continue to fight for the great American people. (gasps) There it is. I got very distracted
0: because I ended up on the Tweetosphere, a.k.a. Twitter, looking at the response of his little little army of
1: humans Mm -hmm. and I'm
0: I'm just dead I'm just dead at some of these people speaking
1: of Hillary though did you see her Instagram where she mm -hmm. was (laughs) plugging her merch (laughs) so good so good I will say like she
0: really has aced it whether it's her or her team but just these like perfect snarky moments where because there have been some other times where that's popped up and she's just killed it with that Mm -hmm. so it's like whether you like her or not a plus, A plus. Like But it's
1: funny because like Trump would do the same thing, like Im- immediately 000. plug uh, the merge. But yeah, other thing to know is that like with this of course is a huge fundraising ask that Donald Trump mm-hmm. and his team has done as well. So, hey, marketing geniuses on their end too. They might as well capitalize on on the bad press, but we will see what happens here. This is going to be interesting. I'm, you know, we we're waiting here. Desperately for an FBI statement that will likely obviously come right when we stop recording this, most likely Mm -hmm. just due to our luck. But we will immediately respond on our social media.
0: True. Slash speaking of social media, go check out your favorite human ever, a.k.a. me's, a.k.a. not really, but just like feeling like a self-plug. TikToks. Because we did. No, I really really liked your
1: last one. (laughs) The papa one.
0: (laughs) I literally, oh my god, I, that one was most genius. I... Not to credit myself, but to credit myself, I was going through like our saved sounds just trying to think I was like, okay, like I'm trying to just get some inspo like what what could really mm, fit and not even I wasn't even looking for that specific story, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I replayed that sound and I was like, wait a freaking second.
1: So go check it out. We're not going to give any more context because you have to go watch it. But yes, that is the FBI raid. Excited to see what comes from it. If you guys also have any stories you would like to see talked about, send them through our DMs. We're happy to consider anything to chat about on our, our little intros.
0: Yeah. And wait, I have an addition to that too. And we were telling our brand ambassadors this yesterday as well. Is since we now do the top stories edition and that comes out on Tuesdays if there's news that happens over the weekend and you're like wait what is this or you feel like something's going to get lost in the sauce because mm-hmm. a lot of times that happens when something's released I mean. on the weekend yeah, yeah totally send it to us or if you have questions on that story again send it to either our dms or info at we're happy to consider answer any questions on those look for the answers if we don't know them you know the drill all of that but just wanted to make sure that you guys knew that with that coming on Tuesdays that we definitely try and cover some of the stuff that happens over the weekend because it's a little bit like earlier early bird special and even like the week
1: before sometimes too there's Mm. big, big stories that drop like late in the week even if it's post Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and then obviously through the weekend and there's you know and we end up not covering it just because it's technically hold news at that point it's still important to run through it and answer any questions you guys have so let us know if there is anything like that but speaking of top stories a little run through of what we talked about yesterday so you can go listen we talk about the inflation reduction act we explain everything that happened last week with all of that and all of the senate and house legislative their legislative summer and how it was like low-key a successful summer for democrats we also talk about how we are a little bit worried that they will market it correctly and to get the votes they need in november so Go listen to that. That's the big story. And we also talk about how Ron DeSantis in Florida is sus- or suspended, a elected attorney for not prosecuting abortion-related charges. The White House is doing to push the Senate to pass the assault weapons ban. Biden going to Kentucky for the flooding. The Alex Jones verdict and the U.S. sending more money to Ukraine. So go listen to our top stories to hear all about all of that. And then we also have a little exciting thing that just came out that's just (gasps) dropping we do we do we do okay so
0: basically thanks to a little place called Etsy, we now have an Etsy shop. And what you're going to be able to find on that shop is digital downloads of all of our fun phrases. So sometimes we put them on merch, which is great. Sometimes we, you know, have really specific drop dates for our merch around events or collaborations and whatnot. But we want to make sure that you guys like have access to, you know, these phrases and fun ways and colors and all of that before that happens or even during when that happens or any, I don't know, any day, any month, any year you can get yourself a digital download of one of these fun phrases. So like whether it's when in doubt, vote them out, or it's a vote for me dog, or any of our other phrases, a liberal cowgirl is making a debut in this. You can get yourself a digital download. You can buy it right on Etsy and then you're sent that PDF and you can download it. You can make either, you know, a print, a poster, you can put it on canvas, whatever it is. Sticker. I ordered sticker, true, true, true. I ordered, it, a poster, which I just got today, very exciting. And the largest I recommend BT dubs is 18 by 24. That's what I got for the poster. And that is pretty big. Like it is bigger than yeah. I realized because we know I'm not a math gal. Anyways, you probably make it bigger, but that's really where but I prints like, are cute too. It's, you can like put them on yeah. your
1: desk, put them in a little frame, hang them up in your bathroom. Whatever is is. Speaking yeah, to make you. a gallery
0: wall out of like yeah. all of these. That's kind of what I want to do. Oh, we shall see. But anyways, you can buy them all via Etsy. They are live. We will obviously put the link to that shop in our description and links in our social media and all the things. I don't all know. The things. I don't know. Anywhere and everywhere, but. Yes. Buy them for yourself. Buy them for a friend. Oh, that could be a cute little birthday gift for cute someone. gift.
1: And especially Look at you that. guys, it's an election year. When and out, vote them out. Perfect. 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 But yes, go check that out. Linked in the episode description. And we're going to get into our guest because holy shit, we love this interview. We love this guest. Mm-hmm. We love this topic. We spill so much fucking tea. And oh, yeah. we are just really excited for you guys to listen to this. So. Why don't you give us a little spiel, give us a little, without further ado, moment.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay, so today's interview is with Ken Russell. He is the Miami City Commissioner, and he is running for Congress. Originally, he was running for Senate in Florida, and he switched over to Congress. So we get into why he made that move, what his campaign is all about, what he's up against, basically the whole kit and caboodle in terms of Florida politics meeting national politics, what that means, and need i know social forget? media of it all the social media of it all if you don't know ken russell from tiktok i don't immediate know what to tell problem. you besides immediate fall he is a social media genius and manages to really like meld together campaign politics and social media in a way that is so approachable and so in line with what voters are craving and wanting and that's transparency and authenticity
1: mm-hmm. so but go check it out establishment dems oh, are it to him but that's the tea that's okay the tea. don't we give get into i was gonna say it. Sorry, don't sorry. don't get give away the whole interview before
0: we sorry, get sorry. into it madison bloke okay <laughs> so anyways without further ado here's ken well this episode has been a long time coming because we have been naturally watching you on tiktok and keeping us entertained keeping us informed And of course, making us look at a very particular race in Florida, which you are, of course, a part of. You're running for Congress in District 27 in Florida. Can you tell us about this race? Can you tell us about this district? What's the story here?
2: First of all, thank you for what you guys do. I mean, it's a little bit of what I do as well, trying to bring political discourse to media that doesn't normally engage in in, in that traditional way. So yes. non-traditional ways of talking about important things, it's not easy to capture attention. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we're doing it. Yay, we're doing it. You are um, doing it so good, yeah. too. Well, so sure first we'll of all, thanks, this, thanks for everything you guys do. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in a congressional race. And in Florida, there's 28 congressional districts. And you can only vote for people within your congressional district. And mine happens to be from Miami down to an area called Cutler Bay. It's a little over 800,000 people. It's right on the coastline of Florida, so it's really subject to storm surge, sea level rise, water quality issues, environmental issues, and it's bordered on the west by the Everglades, uh, where we have also a lot of environmental issues that affect everything, including our economy and our drinking water. So it's an amazing district, which is dealing with a lot of the issues that we have at a national level. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that also leads us to another question about just like Florida in general and, you know, how does your district play into kind of like the bigger political Discourse around, like, what, you know, people in Florida really need issue-wise, too.
2: Florida usually gets it wrong when it comes to presidential races. We're usually the ones that mess things up in some way or another with (laughs) chads or vote counts or you name it. And it's it's a very unique state. I'm trying to reclaim the Florida man name in a positive way. We'll see if that happens or not. But people mistakenly think that this is a foregone conclusion of a red state, and it's Mm. not. We have red leadership here because they're much smarter at organizing, legislating, having the courts in line, and and getting their way from a political perspective. But when we put issues on the ballot, progressive issues on the ballot, they pass overwhelmingly. Voters Mm -hmm. have approved $15 an hour minimum wage statewide, medical marijuana, former felons voting rights. Yet even in those very same elections, the progressive candidates tend to lose. And a lot of that is because we're losing the messaging and, and, and the messaging game. And that's a little bit of what I'm trying to get back. You, you maybe have seen in a lot of my comments that there's a lot of people of all stripes and colors politically who are supporting me. And I, I wear that like a badge of honor. I'm very unashamed of my progressive values, but somehow still I'm attracting people from the center, from the right, and and that's what we need more of. This particular district is considered one of the only Potential flip districts in the entire country, red to blue. Democrats are going to be clawing to hold on to seats this midterm, but this is actually one that we could win back. It was held by Donna Shalala two years ago. Donna had it for one term. Maria Elvira Salazar, the incumbent, has had it now for one term. So just two-year freshman incumbent, zero accomplishment. um, Really worried much more about foreign dictators and international issues than what's going on at home, and she's getting primary. From the right by Steve Bannon and the gang, calling her a socialist. And trust me, she is so Trumpy. I mean, they're they're really <laughs> making you know, socialists are going to be really upset that they're just diluting the name of socialism because they're calling everybody a socialist. Right. But but uh, so she's vulnerable. Was my point. And so I'm really excited about this race.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. And with this race in mind. What inspired you to get involved here? I know, you know, previously you're running for a Senate then made a, you know, a switch over to this. What was sort of the, the strategy in mind with that? And, you know, again, why now? You know, I feel like that's always a question. all master
2: planned, just
0: like I, <laughs> um, you to um, press. I knew it. I knew
2: it. <laughs> I, I've been a city commissioner for the last eight years here in Miami. And before that, I was a surfboard salesman. I don't have a long political resume. But I realized as a city commissioner, the things that were missing, the things I was accomplishing, but but could have gone further were the, the federal missing piece of the puzzle. The layers weren't working together on big issues, uh, storm surge and infrastructure, affordable housing, water quality. These are all things that need a federal partner, a champion. And so I decided once I was done here, I would become that champion for 412 cities in Florida by being a senator, which is currently Marco Rubio who's up for re-election right now. So I got into that race a little over a year ago, and that's where I started getting my first TikTok traction. Apparently, he's not very popular on this platform. He's tried Mm-mm. to ban it, and <laughs> and, and he's a, he's a pretty easy target. On you know, and and yeah. so we had a lot of fun with very snarky posts about me versus Marco Rubio. So the algorithm
1: after- likes anti-Marco Rubio content. That's good to know. Yes, enough. I'm gonna, yes. I I recommend <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> Highly okay. recommend it. It's an easy layout. Yeah. But then I, Val Demings jumped into this race. I realized she's a very powerful Democrat. Three million bucks a month she was pulling in. When I realized I couldn't beat Val Demings and I wasn't going to start attacking her in order to do so, even though we had some opposing positions on you know policing issues, marijuana issues, I decided to drop out, endorse her, support her, and find a race that I could win. And it happens <laughs> to be this one where I was born.
1: That's so smart. Really. I think more people need to do that, honestly, especially in the primaries. There's a lot of strategy there and it's like important sometimes to be like, okay, where it's similar kind of theme to we talk about this a lot. Just how like fundraising and how people just like pour money where they like you know, want to see, you know, Mitch McConnell lose, but it's like, how can we be strategic as Democrats to make sure we're winning as much as we can in these like really important seats? But who are you running against? Let's talk about this race a little bit more and what's on the line in in your district here.
2: Right. So when I got into this this uh, this primary, it was pretty smooth sailing to the general. And then there's a candidate who was running for governor. Uh, She was in a distant third in governor against Charlie Crist and Nikki Fried for the Democratic nomination here in in the primary here for governor. She dropped out of that and dropped into this race where I was. And this (laughs) has been a real issue for us as Democrats across the state and across the country. I was actually courted into this congressional seat by the DCCC and out of Washington. And before I made the move dropping out of the Senate race, I needed to know that I'd have their support, that I was there. I said, listen, you're our candidate. We started sharing budgets. We started working together. And then once the deal was cut for Senator to drop out of that governor's race and drop into this race, wow, they dropped me like a bad habit. Did um, they? Absolutely. Whoa. Cut me off. Dear, dear John email. No um, way. We're, we're going 100. I said, listen, we're early days in this primary. She hasn't been qualified yet.
1: Oh, my God. Watch it take thoughts.
2: out. Don't put a thumb on the scale just yet. You've got two viable Democrats who are elected officials currently we are raising money currently, We have good fan bases of a different nature currently. Let's let this play out a little bit. Nope. They dropped me hard. They went all in with her. Nancy Pelosi endorsed her. Debbie Wasserman Schultz endorsed her. And suddenly I'm back to being a scrappy underdog. Um, That's kind of my brand anyway, so I'll I'll be all right.
0: Uh, We, We love a true to brand moment. But, like, that, I feel like, really highlights, again, the messaging issue The Democrats The messaging
1: issue. We literally, this is so crazy. And the organization. And how they don't Uh. even prioritize, like, the way you've just absolutely killed it on social media. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later of just how important it is for, you know, candidates and just, you know, politicians to step into these social spaces where young people are and where these different groups of people are and reach them, which you're doing so amazingly. And, like... And the DNC and the DCC, like, they're just so bad at that. and They don't prioritize that. And it's just, like, interesting to see this play out in your race. And, like, this is a pure example of that, I feel like.
2: Well, they're they're certainly underestimating the the power of the social media right now. Yeah. TikTok yeah. is so new in the political sphere. And they're saying, oh, well, TikTokers don't vote. These are kids. Yeah. and And they're missing it. They're really they're missing, missing it. it. Something special is happening here
1: absolutely oh my god i have so many thoughts and again we're gonna dive into this topic a little bit later so we won't go too like crazy at the moment but let's talk a little bit about miami city commissioner and that role because we haven't talked to a city commissioner before and so we want to learn more about this role does can you kind of tell us like how you first like got into this role but also you know what it really is and what it does
2: yeah so about a little over eight years ago. There was a contaminated park in front of my house. I didn't know what to do. I was a professional kite surfing instructor and surfboard salesman. I had a wholesale business selling mostly stand up paddle boards around the country and Central South America. I was growing my business. I got my three little kids, two dogs, two cats. My wife's a veterinarian. Boom, contaminated park. Who's my commissioner? What's going on? How do we fix this? And nobody was giving answers. They just fenced it off. We couldn't go in. I decided to start asking questions. And when I got the answers, they were horrible. Like what caused it was city dumping over 50 years, toxic chemicals, contaminated ash. And their plan to remediate it was horrible as well. The way they were going to pay for it was fraudulent as well. So this was my first introduction to Miami politics. I organized the neighborhood. We marched on city hall, t-shirts, signs, the whole deal. We got them to change it, fix it, clean the park correctly. There were five other contaminated parks. And what I learned... What really drove me into running was where the ash came from. It was from the incinerators, the garbage incinerators. They used to burn the whole city's garbage in the poor neighborhoods. And that ash would sort of rain down on those communities and cause cancer clusters, et cetera. But where they would cart the ash to were the empty spaces. So the karma they created for themselves was polluting all of their their parks around the city. Mm -hmm. And so there was a social justice issue, an environmental justice issue. And as I delve deeper, it was a housing issue. These, these areas that where they had the incinerators are now the highest target for gentrification and displacement. I'm like, I don't know much about this stuff, but there is a mission here that nobody's nobody's on. And and yeah. I, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time. I ran for office book, city commission. So it's a nonpartisan seat. Even though everybody has a party, you run nonpartisan. You're not allowed to say what your party is in your advertising, et cetera, including our mayor. But And it's actually a really good thing. Even though we all know what each other is, It never comes up and we don't wear it on our sleeve. And I've I've passed dozens and dozens of ordinances in the city of Miami to change Miami for the better from from government transparency and finance issues, police oversight, environmental development control, affordable housing, and I've done it in the minority. The Miami's gerrymandered to always have three older Cuban conservative commissioners, one black commissioner and one white commissioner. I'm the Japanese American commissioner, but I play the white commissioner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and so I'm in the minority, but I've gotten all this done. And that's a really good trading ground for state and federal politics. It should almost be mandatory.
0: I love right. that. That also just is like super interesting that it's a nonpartisan position. Is there like any backstory to that or like any reason? I am curious too, like given what you said about Florida politics and, you know, Floridians also voting for like $15 minimum wage and some of these other things. But like once it gets attached to, you know, a particular party, it doesn't actually happen. You know, I'm curious if we like did that at a, a larger scale, if that would actually be really successful and sort of change the status quo.
2: Florida is like the upside down. I, I don't know if if <laughs> other states are the same way, but most of our municipalities are nonpartisan. But even our partisan politics are weird here in Florida. My competitor, Annette Tadeo has been in the state Senate uh, for the last couple of years. And she voted against the gun reform bill that the Republicans brought across the line after Parkland. This is the, the state bill that they're now touting across the country as the example of a bipartisan bill that should be you know, passed. And it was, it was part of the precursor, the one that just passed federally now. She voted against that, but the, the, the fun fact is that most Democrats did as well. And it was this weird political calculation to hold to their positions against the Republicans but still let it pass. And I was there with the Parkland parents as a as a city elected in Tallahassee, advocating for the bill because the parents wanted it. And the Democrats said, well, it's not perfect. It's not everything we want. We want this or that in it or not in it. I'm like, you've got the Republicans actually moving against the NRA right now. Take this mm-hmm. way. They didn't take it. Same thing on water quality. The, the sugar industry completely rots the core of both parties in this state. They both take the money at the state level and then they vote on behalf of the industry versus environment and versus drinking water. But nobody attacks each other because they're all taking it. And wow. and so even there, my competitor voted in favor of the sugar industry over clean air and, and clean water more than once. And nobody's ever called them out on it. So it's it's a weird state when it comes to parties. We can't quite seem to get it right.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, a thousand wow. percent. And I have so many questions, especially about the sugar industry. Like what, just as someone that's like not from the state, like what exactly is the sugar industry? What's the dynamic there? Like, is this, I, Uh, I mean, if there's free gummy bears coming through for this, I'm here for it. But like, is this like how oil is in Texas? You know, what's the, the the behind the scenes on it
2: right right so one tiktoker commented on one of my posts he said big sugar it sounds like a new orleans mob boss or some crazy character (laughs) no Um, big sugar that's actually hilarious (laughs) Um, yeah so every state has a big something right it's one industry that seems to control the politics and work against the interests of either the environment or the people And in our case, you know, you've got your coastlines of Florida. They're mostly around tourism, water, and real estate. And in the center of the state, you've got agriculture. You've got very fertile land around Lake Okeechobee. And that has been run by the sugar industry for decades and decades and decades. What's really messed up our water is a very old story about how the state is plumbed. And and Lake Okeechobee is that water supply for that whole agricultural industry, which is fine. But little by little, they started diverting the water so it wouldn't go where it was supposed to. The Everglades started drying up. And the Army Corps put in the worst plan decades ago to send canals out to our estuaries on the east and west coast of Florida from this lake water. But because the state is, the state legislature is completely compromised by agriculture, there's no oversight on the quality of chemicals that go into the water, mm-hmm. the fertilizers, the glyphosates, the, everything that's used in the agriculture industries. So the water's getting very contaminated. And nobody's controlling where that water flows and goes. Mm. And so every year they dump that water out those canals into the estuaries on the east and west. And you see the manatee deaths, 1,700 manatees last year died on the west coast, red tide blows up, fish kills all on the coast, shutting down the tourism industry. And, and it's all about nutrients in the water, algae blooms, lack of oxygen and, and different bacterias. So there is a plan to fix it all, but sugar's trying to keep that plan from happening. And what they do is they teach everyone how to look environmental. We're all environmental stewards here in, in Florida. But when you study their votes and their money, you see where they really land.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's big big sugar. It was probably an aggressive beast of an industry. I mean, also the, the messaging around that, you know, like big oil, you can be like, let's go clean energy, get some nice like electric vehicles. But big sugar. Like, Wait, I like sugar. What are we supposed sugar. to do? Like, yeah, Wait, I really like sugar. Way. Like, what are we supposed to do about this? <laughs> well. Yeah, moving into our, I have a question segment to learn a little bit more about city commissioner and what it does. Can you answer that question? Of like, what does a city yes. commissioner do?
2: So it's different from city to city. How their charter is written is what decides how the legislators work and the legislation of a city. We were, were, you know, a state will write laws, cities write ordinances. And these are like the spitting on the sidewalk type of stuff, right? Where there's certain different jurisdictions for laws. Ours mostly deal with how big the buildings are in urban planning within a city. So how much affordable housing there is, where the tall buildings are allowed to be, where the single family homes are allowed to be. So we really vote on the code. Commissioners vote on the the budget, on the police budget, on the rules of the city. In our city, we have what's called a weak mayor system. There's cities that have a strong mayor system where the mayor has a vote. Ours is more of a ceremonial weak mayor system where a city manager runs the city, a commission, uh, there's five of us who are elected set the laws and the mayor has the power of veto but that's about it there it's more of a ceremonial you know cheerleading of our brand as a city kind of thing an ambassador for the city which can be very effective but there's only five of us for a city the size of miami we are the largest city in the country with only five commissioners and it's way too much power to put in Mm. the hands of a majority which is three so if three people are a majority that's all it takes to change the entire laws of the city of miami and they can do it one meeting it's it's pretty brutal and so it makes for a really rough politic. Combine that with our proximity to the Caribbean, Central, South America, there's a very, I don't know how to put this lightly. There, there's, there's a pretty rough and tumble, freaking propaganda to our politic, which you tend to see typically south of here. And it's very effective on a, on a, on a community that's not really engaged. Our voter turnout on city elections is very low so there's not much accountability for for us as commissioners and it can it can get pretty rough we've had some pretty rough needs
1: yeah i'm sure
0: oh my gosh yeah 5 for a city that size and that is like the whole power structure That's that wild. is absolutely bananas I guess you could sort of answer the question in terms of with mayors how they, you know, work together. It's really sort of a veto situation. But are there other offices that commissioners work with? Do you guys work outside of the city as well with like other, you know, political entities? How does that relationship sort of get built?
2: So there are groups like League of Cities and they try to, you know, usually they're fighting against preemption from the state level where the state's trying to shut down what cities can, can regulate and not. But normally, no. Normally a city commissioner stays within their lane. I've decided to go out and beyond that. I joined the board of the Everglades Trust and started getting involved in water quality issues statewide and started traveling all around the state learning what the different corners of, of Florida were having problems with water. And there was a lot of common denominators, but there's a lot of unique things. And that became my specialty niche. And coming from the surfboard industry, yeah, I was already in, in love with that. And, and I found the solutions, I found the path. And so really it's just politics and money and, and, and logistics to get these solutions in place. And, and so, yes, I'm a bit of an anomaly having stepped out of my city lane and I've been acting in a state or federal role mm-hmm. already. But I've never I mean, I'm sending guns to Ukraine right now as a city like I've never felt like I want to be cubbyholed in these in these roles. I want to be as effective as possible. But yeah, the the mayors, I mean, I've 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 also I created what's called municipal victory program at the state of Florida Democratic Party. I joined the board of trustees and I wanted to do I wanted to have what I wish I had when I was a candidate. I was running for office. I went to the state party. I'm a Democrat running for commissioner, a very important part of the city. Can you help? We said, no, we don't mess with these nonpartisan races. I said, but I'm a Democrat and you should be building your bench. So when I got in, I got into the party. I raised enough. I had, they said, if you raise money, I raised a half a million bucks. I created a municipal program. We've trained hundreds and hundreds of people to run for local office who happen to be Democrats. And I, I run Zooms to share ideas on policy with commissioners and mayors across the state on a monthly basis
0: that's epic also yeah. I love the whole concept of being like what did I not have when I was in that position how can I make totally. it better and like
1: continuing
0: to improve things along mm-hmm. the way so I think that's fantastic love that approach speaking of approaches we do want to move back to TikTok obviously been waiting. Like, <laughs> TikTok.
2: God. I made three today oh okay you're ahead you. of us yeah and we... you are just like
1: way better than us and I'm just like we need to step our game up this is we have so much to talk about
0: tiktok machine over here you're
1: also you've also been named the best local
0: tiktoker by the miami news times so let's start with that first oh, of all nice. how how does it feel to be the best local tiktoker <laughs>
2: That's how crazy. did this sort of
0: come about That's and it's crazy. not
2: I, I i'm not one to brag when i'm about to it's not best political tiktoker it's like best tiktoker i mean we got like right. people and stuff down here and we got a lot of <laughs> no comedians, actually we got a lot of artists we got people much worthy. Yeah. And more viral for whatever reason, and I have a feeling it's because of the novelty that, as a politician and having figured out the algorithm nice. of how to connect with folks, there's something unique there. And so, it's a it's a very progressive newspaper called the Miami New Times. It's a real muckraking, go after the bad guys, kind of you know dig up the dirt kind of kind of group. So I, I wore it as a very big badge of honor from them. And it's it's been a trudge though. This is not like a flash in the pan. I've been doing this now for uh, over a year, and just building consistently, consistently. And there have been breakthrough moments where I would jump exponentially into yeah. higher following. The question is, does it turn around and do the vote? Is it making a difference? My team has hated TikTok since I got on it. My family, really? they, my family has literally had an intervention because <laughs> it's bad, it's bad. My son took my phone and went in and they looked at the app that shows how much time you spend on each app. And I'm not telling you because it'll be used against me in an attack act.
1: That's a fair point. Oh my gosh, it's
2: bad. It's bad. It's not like but it's TikTok. Not. The dark side of TikTok. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna hit at it. It has an addictive nature to it because it feeds yeah, you everything you did not know you wanted. Oh, and unreal. When you start creating and you, it starts feeding you followers and it gives you also that 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 positive bump. You're getting it from both sides when you're you're lurking and watching. It's showing you everything you want. And then when you're actually creating and getting good feedback, I mean, this is the high that that everybody wants, right? Oh my gosh. So yeah, (laughs) it's time management has been an issue. I
1: have so many questions. I went for, first of all, like when did it really start for you and kind of who's behind it? I like, it sounds like you are a major TikTok stan, which we love, but like, I just want to know more about like Obviously, like you said, like you've been doing this for a while. There's been a few that are like just shot up. But I don't know what's kind of the origin story here. Like, when did you really get on? Like, why? What did you think at first? And like, how has everything changed? And how did you know that like TikTok was like the platform
0: that yeah. was going to be really helpful?
2: I didn't. I It's yeah. what they left me. Like, when you get a <laughs> campaign team, they take over your social media. And I don't even have my Facebook password anymore. I haven't been on there in six months. But the team is using it right? And sometimes they're posting as a campaign and sometimes they're posting as me. They do the same on Instagram, the same on Twitter. And that's the classic campaign churn of a social media campaign and totally. it's the same stuff over and over again. Even my team was guilty. You'll see our emails. There's a lot of that typical campaign stuff, you know, chip in whatever. And it just left me with TikTok and I tried it out. I was just like, first I started lurking and then it stuck to you in and I was just lurking. Yeah. But I'm like, what if I... Produce something. I don't remember what my very first TikTok was, but I started trying it out and I was having a little fun with it. Then I started doing it for the campaign, but I started spending too much time, and everybody tried to get me off it. And they're saying, "Listen, this ain't gonna go anywhere. Nobody's on here. It's all kids." And and I remember one of the first breakout TikToks I did was where I just looked in the camera and said, "Can TikTok change an election?" And it it blew up over a hundred thousand views. The comments, the responses, people like, "Yes, this is where we are. We're here." And it wasn't kids. It was everybody. Mm -hmm. It and they're is. like you know and and they're like who are you and, and i forgot to even say my name in that video so people were totally calling me like the the leslie Note, like <laughs> i completely forgot to even put my name in and the thing they're like what kind of ad is this you didn't talk about your issues i'm like it's not an ad i was just asking a question yeah and and no. it, it started going from there and that's when i realized it was something.
0: absolutely totally and i think there's the whole discussion too about social media versus traditional media We talk about this all the time, about how traditional media can be a good thing to get clips from. It can, you know, obviously be good in terms of reporting, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily cover the whole gamut of issues or candidates. And oftentimes, if, you know, a particular newspaper or news outlet decides to back one particular campaign in a certain sense, they don't cover, you know, the other candidates in a race. And... I feel like social media kind of opened some doors and we're just curious, like what, what has your experience been mm-hmm. with social media and what's done for your campaign versus traditional media? Like what's that sort of contrast been like? It's,
2: it's definitely been a shift for me on how I receive my news. Even personally, I yeah. used to love to sit there and watch Rachel Maddow for an hour and I can't now and, yeah. and no offense to her. I love, I love her and what she covers and how she covers it. I guess I've lost the attention span for one topic for 20 minutes, for example. And I love that she still finds that, that obscure fact within an issue and, and opens that up for everybody, but it's, it's, it's a thesis basically. Yeah. And you, there is a way to get that same amount of information out very quickly in social to where I, you know, it's, it's still consumed and the knowledge is passed. And if you want to dig deeper, you can go find the article. If you want to dig deeper, you can go, but, but you're left with everything you need and you can move on in 30 seconds um mm-hmm. and or 15 or eight and and it's it it's maybe not healthy because we've already had attention span issues and, and as the generations go on <laughs> yeah um, fair. you
1: know
2: I mean, the next step webster's dictionary is going to remove the apostrophe from your you know the possessive on a yeah, official no. basis they're just going to say because social media has normalized bad grammar and instant <laughs> gratification it's yeah. now correct
1: right 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 that would help Um, us though I will say yeah I have questions too about kind of first of all like the flip side of like Sam's question of like how has social media I guess just helped your kind of like press and comms on the other side of like the audiences you're able to reach also I'm curious like it on your campaign like who's on your team and what kind of maybe like people you've hired on to your comms team or your press team who have like not traditionally worked with somebody who you know is so present on social media and uses it as such a powerful tool like how kind of maybe the people you've worked around been like oh shit like this is new this is working this is you know because it's really just like i feel like you're one of the first candidates i've ever seen we've ever seen that like has really harnessed it
2: in in a powerful way I was early, I think, in trying to use social media before it was able to be as effective as I'm hoping it is now. In my first campaign in 2015, I was really pushing my campaign manager, what's going on with our Twitter? He's like, no, you need to knock doors. <laughs>
1: right. Said, yeah. He's like,
2: no, you need to raise money. I'm like, but look at the Twitter. And, and you know, yeah. I get like, look, that person, I'm, I'm getting traction. They're like, no, he's like, no, you need 3,000 votes in the next month and you need to get out and do X, Y, Z. And, and so when I won, I look back and, and he was right. The tw- and even when I got into office, I tried bringing social media. I started my own podcast. It was all pretty rigid. And I was trying to bring a dynamic marketing personality from my surfboard life into this. I mean, I was a professional yo-yo player before that. So I have these we that's, that's. I'm so saving it for the it. general. It hasn't even really hit TikTok. yet I haven't even told. I haven't <laughs> oh, even. Oh, so it's an exclusive. Girl, you have
1: exclusive.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do have an exclusive. I have,
1: okay.
2: So, someone literally asked me, like, "Wait, we checked your Wikipedia. How come you have not dropped the professional yo-yo player info here?" This you have to vote for, for me in
1: the primary, yeah. and then yeah, you right? get to learn about it. Yeah.
2: It's <laughs> the teaser And so I, I've got these unique marketing concepts and ideas, and I want to be. You know, like, but it wasn't catching, and and this is even my Twitter game sucks. Oh my gosh, I go to Twitter, and Twitter they just sucks. tear me apart. Twitter, sucks. I've got I've got like three trolls on Twitter that just you know <laughs> they're just <laughs> trashing all the time over everything, and only now that I'm starting this this week, what happened this week? You know, out of out of L.A., a Twitter account took my TikTok virality and brought it over to Twitter, and mm-hmm. suddenly. It had a new, real virality, or officially accepted virality in the traditional social media world. Now my Twitter game is starting to step up a little bit because folks yeah. there are defending me when I get on against the trolls where right? I didn't have that before. But yeah, I've, I've, I've tried everything. Really, TikTok's the first place I feel comfortable just going on the fly, being me, and and communicating, and it's working.
1: Do you have people on your staff, or like? I'm also curious too. When you started working with like the. At DCCC, however many C's. And like maybe what they thought about this TikTok presence or like the social media priority that you have. Like, are people like, no, no, we need to get you on CNN? Like, no, no, we need to, you know, like what, how is, has there been any of that?
2: We, We haven't had the national cable level traction that I wish Mm -hmm. this congressional campaign had. And now that I'm the underdog, certainly not going to get it before the primary. And before I was running against Val Deming, so I was a fly on the wall. So like I said, my team has really tolerated my TikTok. And now that it's going great, I'm happy to let them all take credit for it. It's amazing. But I have a very youthful, energetic team that is working their ass off. And they're, you know, dropping press releases for me. They're, they're uh, working all the social media, the email campaign, and they're doing an amazing job. And you know, like I say, whenever I've got a quiet moment, I'm over there building a TikTok. But I, I do what they tell me, and I go where they tell me, and, and we're running a great, you know, nuts and bolts, bread and butter campaign as well. Uh, but who knows? As the underdog, it may be TikTok that saves me.
1: I think it
0: could. I think me it could for too. sure
1: just think too
0: like social media like there are so many platforms that people especially in campaigns don't use if we had literally a penny for the amount of campaign websites we've been on that don't have an instagram in 2022 or don't even have a literal email on their websites i mean we'd be filthy the rich it's kind of crazy and it seems like the idea is that a lot of these campaigns don't care about also getting new voters they only care about mm-hmm. achieving a certain number within the ones they already know about which as young people and as people that are trying to get more and more people involved in politics and show that they can make change and that their voice can be heard it's super super frustrating to see and i'm curious if you've also gotten some you know pushback from that type of strategy as well and like what, what those conversations have looked like for you
2: no of course the 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 political world in, in Florida is run by the, the cottage industry of consultants. And mm-hmm. it's really the candidates working for the consultants and not the other way around. It's really right. sad. And that's why you see a lot of cannibalism in districts where Dems drop on top of each other. It's really just a consultant trying to make a buck. They don't mm-hmm. care what happens to their client. They don't care what happens to the district. They don't care what happens to democracy. And there's traditional paradigm, and this is where I'm hopeful, is is hopefully gonna break because they don't believe in the power of social media. They think it's nice window dressing, but the bread and butter in getting an election won is on their mail campaign, on their absentee ballot fall, on their, on their senior center visits, You know all these things. And so you know, this is something outside of the box for them. And if it, they're not expecting me to win because of that, because they see me spending so much time here, they're like, okay, let him go have that. And you watch what happens. And if 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 I lose a lot of people who are counting on me in this 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 world of social media, they're seeing me as as a, a new or different type of candidate, yeah. they're gonna be very disenchanted. So I, I can't lean only on the social. I really have to also have the nuts and bolts of a really good campaign. And I'm glad we do. Yeah. But it something's happening special, as I said right now, even this in this very week, in the very week absentee ballots are about to drop, there's something special happening. I can't go to to rest to a dinner now without people recognizing me. And that wasn't happening in my eight years as a city commissioner in my own district. It, it wasn't happening even a month ago, but now whether, yeah, I mean, whether someone's 12 or whether they're 40, I'm getting recognized much more regularly. And it's always about TikTok, love your TikTok. Yeah. And I was at a rave the other night, I got recognized at least a dozen times. And so yeah. that was I love it. Thing. You're hitting
1: every demographic. Well, I, think, and- I also
0: just think it's so freaking key because like, not for nothing, but, like, you know, I, I'm i not going to, like, the local parade or, you know, some mm-hmm. of the, like, traditional campaign stops. But, like, I am scrolling on TikTok for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. you're meeting people where they are, and I think that's so different. And that continues to yeah. resonate with people. Plus, also I do think gets, it's, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say, basically, it's, like, it also hits people outside your district that can also support.
1: Totally. And
0: that is different, like. You know, if I live in New York and I'm not in Florida, obviously I'm not going to see, you know, someone on the campaign trail physically there knocking doors like it's not going to get, you know, maybe I see one picture on IG and it just goes over my head. But like if I'm on TikTok and then I'm actually getting to know you and therefore I'm seeing your cult of like personality and being like, oh, my God, like I totally relate to XYZ thing you're saying there's so much more likelihood that i from afar am either going to get involved or i'm going to make sure my friends that are in that area are going to get involved i be like oh my yeah. god did you see this tiktok it's so shareable it's so much more like digestible
1: yeah i think it's so cool too just like also where you're at like in your political career like it's not like You are, you know, this big senator who already has like the million Instagram followers or, you know, who someone who is like supported by a DNC or, you know, these big kind of more establishment politicians like you are really... Working on your first congressional campaign and like have these years as city commissioner, which is another just like slept on role in the government that like not everyone knows about. And the fact that you built this platform like with this resume, this like resume that you have is, I think, really just impressive and goes to show like how impactful it can be if you're good at this and if all if candidates and just. Democrats and politicians in politics period prioritize this and realize if you're good at this, how powerful it can be. Well but they just like yeah. won't connect those dots. It's crazy.
2: They I hope that the takeaway is that that a platform like TikTok is really democratizing who can get coverage. Yes, I mean totally. I have not spent one dollar on TikTok, nor could I mm-hmm. buy my audience if I wanted to, like you can on Facebook mm-hmm. or Twitter. So the fact of that, that someone's connecting and that they can have an audience across the country is is priceless literally priceless for a progressive candidate who's not of the machine and so it all it's also a double-edged sword not everyone should do it because the only way you're going to be successful on this platform is if you really are yourself Mm -hmm. and when they really see you that might not be a good thing for a lot of politicians (laughs) yeah Um, And and so if you come on and you're a rigid robot, you're not going to have a a following or attraction. If you're not a genuine person and you really are yourself, your true colors are going to show. And that's why a lot of consultants don't let their candidates on platforms like this. I was talking to a a consultant. He literally said, I would never let her on this because she might get up in the morning and then her hair is a mess or whatever. And she may say the wrong thing. And then it's out there forever and we're dead.
1: Yeah. That's another interesting point. Like we've also seen the opposite side of it where we've seen these politicians or candidates like attempt at TikTok and have it be so terrible that you're like, that it's almost like propellant. Like you're like, no, like yeah. actually, no, don't put the politics on my TikTok feed, please. Like get this person away. I, there's also that side, but there's also the side of like something that we're even trying to do here is like connect with more campaigns and teach them how to do it, which like, yeah. but most campaigns are not open to that as what we've seen and like aren't prioritizing it. So I think there's just a lot of room for again in that consultant space even like bring in more young people to teach campaigns and candidates how to effectively reach young people and use these social media platforms
2: but I remember early on I was trying to do memes and trying to find what was popular at the moment and then take a political angle on it and I did one with James Franco in it the one where he turns around at the bar and winks at you yeah yeah. and I got trash for that I, I had never googled his history oh, of, yeah. you know misogyny yeah. or whatever or dating mm-hmm. students or you know that sort of thing and the first people were trying to be polite to me they're like maybe not a good look and i didn't know what they were mm-hmm. talking about and then i realized i could have just sunk my campaign by doing this careless social media without vetting it and not knowing i was latching onto someone who's you know got really bad media and so what i did was i can't remember whether i left it up or i took it down but i did another video ex- explaining that what I just learned <laughs> like mm, good, here's, yeah. here's my journey over the last 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. like here's what I just went through I had no idea um totally. but I but it that. can be fatal to campaigns because you're totally. doing things without the traditional vetting method and and but the honesty that I went through with that helped me survive it as well so yeah, that's what I you don't gotta
0: know. do. I think that's awesome. True. I think we need more. I of mean, that I think people well. just don't give social media building like as much credit. I remember not too long ago I was making some reel and I was trying to go through the music choices. And I remember every single artist was problematic for some reason. But that was like a thought I had to have. Like, would this music be an issue lined up with this particular video? And what is the background of every element that's involved here? And it's like a, you know, you have to put like a PR lens on the social media too. And I don't think a lot of consultants know how to do that yet. So something, some food for thought. But nonetheless, back to this campaign and where it's going, where it's headed, all of that stuff for people that are in it, that are excited to jump in and help, where can they find out more information? Where can they, you know, volunteer, support, all that good stuff?
2: Everyone can help. The link tree and all of my socials, a spot to volunteer, a spot to contribute. You, of course, don't need to, just need to live in the district to do either. We've got digital volunteers. I did actually, I had a volunteer once when I was early on TikTok and I started to not be able to keep up with the comments. It was a student at FSU and she says, how do I volunteer? And we brought her on. I trust her with my password and she was just all night helping me at least answer the simple questions, right? Like, oh, wow, nice. can I can I vote for you? How do I register whatever? And then she tag the ones that were someone asking a substantive question that that I needed to address. I don't have that anymore. I I just do as much of it as I can and I miss what I can't. But people can volunteer. We're we're doing all straight. Of, you can request a yard sign in my link tree and we deliver it for free within the district. But my hope is if I can somehow harness this community of 370,000 followers right now on TikTok um to help increase that virality outside of TikTok. That that first that thing is happening right now on Twitter for the moment. And if maybe they can help find people who are in my district. Everybody has someone who retired in Florida that they know. And and this is a very populous area. This is Miami and south of Miami. So hopefully people have friends, relatives they can turn on to the campaign through their socials and, and they can join in too. But they can go to Ken for Ken Russell for Florida or of course the link tree in any of my socials.
1: You should do a TikTok meetup. Have you seen these where they're like people are like let's meet up this is a san francisco thing let's meet up for our hot girl walks meet at this park and then all these girls come together and they like go on a walk together it's super cute like bring community of off their phones into the world maybe you do that and do like a let's meet at kiki on the river <laughs> and or 11 you know <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs>
2: They're in my like district, okay. So I have to service them as a city commissioner. All right. That's all. Mm.
1: It's- okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> just just some things to think about. You know, we can bring some TikTok meetups into to the Miami space. But thank you, thank you for coming on and chatting with us through all of our crazy, crazy questions and commentary. But we just appreciate your time, and we'll be rooting for you. Let us this know is what we great. can do. You
2: guys are amazing. Thank you so much for what you do. All the success to you. Likewise.
1: You too.